Hello, 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 and welcome back to Scary Stories from Under the Stairs. Podcast. And we're on episode number... I don't know. 17. Last time was 16. Oh. Okay. So, anything new? Anything before we get started? I'm hungry. Yeah, we're hungry, so we're going to try to get through this quick. Hopefully you don't hear our bellies growling. No. <laughs> no, Jesus. No. Uh, so I thought it's been a hot minute, so I figured we'll do. Brielle's looking at me all crazy because of the amount of pages for this one, but we're going to do a true crime. So some murders. It's I, I made sure I printed it in like big print, so it's not as much as it seems. Are you ready? I think so. You think so? Okay, well, we won't do a lot of chit-chat so we can get into it. Okay. I have nothing new to report, so we've been taking it very easy. Okay, well, let's get into it. We are going to do the true crime story of the X-Man murders of New Orleans, or New Orleans, however you want to pronounce it. I'm going to say New Orleans. How do you say it? I don't know. Try it. I don't know. Like, I don't know how you want me to say it because I don't, oh. like, it's, we, I have to read well, all the paper. Okay. We'll read that. Well, I already heard you say it. Oh, okay. Well, okay. We'll try to catch you off guard later and see how you say it. Uh, okay. So, welcome to the true crime tale of murder, grocery sto- store owners, and some sweet, cool jazz music. This is the story of the Axeman murders. Clearly from the title, if you didn't gather that. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> All right, but before we get into this, trigger warnings for death, including the death of a young child. So, break an asshole, breaking and entering, racism, and this story is unsolved. So, for anybody who doesn't like unsolved stories or any of those things I mentioned, skip this one or skip ahead. Death of a child? Yes. Well, I'm sure they don't. Well, I didn't. There's nothing about puppies. We don't have to go to didthedogdie.com or anything. So, as far as I'm aware, there's no no dogs or or cats. It's or... hard to see animals die. Don't know why they're just so cute. <laughs> so cute. All right. Well, let's get into the story. Um, the Axe Man, in general, was an unidentified assailant who terrorized the jazz-loving city of New Orleans during the early 1900s. He ends up claiming six dead victims and six others who were attacked but lived to tell the tale of the Axeman. All right, here we go. This is like the timeline and his attacks. And then we'll talk about at the end who we think maybe did it. I have my suspicion, but I did the research, so. Ready? Yeah. Okay, so our story starts in the early hours of May 23rd of 1918. Husband and wife... Joseph and Catherine Maggio owned a grocery store and a bar room on the corner of Upper Line and Magnolia Streets. They had had a long day and were sleeping next to each other soundly uh, when in their apartment off their grocery store, an unknown terror was about to strike them. For what they were missing while they were sleeping was that someone was chiseling away at the bottom of their wooden door to their kitchen in their home. So they like 
chiseled out like a panel, like a square, like or like a rectangle oh. panel, and snuck into their home. They entered the house through the kitchen and creeping through the home, making their way to where the couple was sleeping. When they came upon the sleeping couple, they took out a straight razor and slit each of their throats while they were sleeping. And when that wasn't enough to kill them right away, he picked up the axe he had brought with him or had found in the yard. It's unclear. I was like, uh, that he used to chisel the door panel and bashed in their heads. Like in their skull. Once he believed the deed to be complete, he grabbed and changed... Um, grabbed a change of clothes from the closet, changed out of his bloody clothes, leaving them behind, and fled the home, leaving behind the axe in the bathroom where he probably changed and washed up and left the home of the Maggios. When the morning came and the couple did not get up to open the store or the bar room, Joseph's two brothers came to find them. Their names were Andrew and Jake Maggio. When the, came, when the men came into the home, they found Catherine dead, but Joseph was still clinging on. But once the men tried to talk to Joseph, he unfortunately passed away from his injuries only a few minutes after the men had found him. That's sad, because he could have lived. Yeah. I wonder if seeing the, him, though, like, if he was, like, uh, like kind of, like, when you're zoned out, yeah. and then, like, his like brain triggered because he saw him, and it was just too much. You know what I mean? Like, too yeah. much for his body to process. I don't know. Uh, when the police canvassed the home, all they found were the change of clothes, the axe in the bathroom, and a bloody straight razor used for barbering in the neighbor's front lawn. Oddly enough, though, Andrew, the brother of Joseph, was a barber. He owned a barber shop on Camp Street, and he was arrested on suspicion, but was released. While arrested, the police questioned uh, him on how he didn't hear any of the commotion going on from his brother's side of the building, because they actually lived like in the same oh. building, like sharing a wall, basically. Uh, and he claimed it was because he had been out drinking all night and was much too intoxicated to have woken up, been woken up by anything. He had been out partying because he was joining the Navy, and basically this was his last hurrah with his buddies and barbershop fellows before he shipped out. So, as far as they're aware, they don't know who did it. So then, the next attack happens on uh, June 27th, 1918. I think you say it... Louise, Louis, I don't know, L-U-I-S, Bessemer, was asleep in the apartment that adjoined his grocery store located at the corner of, oh, these are going to be hard names. I'm glad I'm reading these, Brielle. Dorgin, I'm so sorry, all my New Orleans people and French people. Dorginois and La Harpe Street, so sorry. Around the early hours on June 27th, Someone again chiseled their way into the apartment on the back side of the grocery store, made their way through the home, and found Louis sleep, asleep in his bedroom. Or Louis. Maybe it's Louis. Asleep in his bedroom. But Louis was not alone. He was there with his mistress, Harriet Lowe. This time, the axeman had brought a smaller hatchet with him or had found that hatchet en route to their location. But either way, that's what he used to bash in the skulls of Louis, resulting in a skull fracture and bashing Harriet above her right temple, giving her a gash. The attacker left, either thinking they were done for, for um, and again, he left the axe in the bathroom, but as far as I could find, there were no change of clothes or anything like that. Uh, what the attacker didn't know this time was that these two were not dead. They were just unconscious, laying in their own, uh, pools of their own blood. Yeah. At around 7 a.m., a bakery man delivers to the grocery store, and it was he who found the victims. His name is John Zach- Z- Zanka. Zanka? 
Zanka. So I'm so sorry. At one time during the investigation, they had blamed a mixed race man who had worked for um, Bessemer at the grocery store, but later retracted their statement. Um, again, he was always on the suspect list. We'll talk about all the kind of that a little bit later. Um, from this attack and after their accusations while they were in the hospital, uh, Lewis ended up recovering, but Harriet did not. Uh, she ended up passing away after having a surgery on August 5th. The press had a field day with this couple, though, because not only were they the second victims, this was becoming, like, a thing. You know, like, yeah. two Axemen murders. I mean, come on. But Harriet, or Harriet and Louis, 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 sorry, Louis's wife, but his mistress. So, and he had a wife, so this was very scandalous. They were, they were very, the papers were very into this. Um, so on the same day that Harriet actually passed away in the hospital, attack number three is happening. So this is August 5th, 1918. The next victim would be attacked by the Axemen. In the evening hours on Elmira Street, eight-month pregnant Anna Schneider was attacked after she woke to a man standing over her in her bedroom. She was bashed in the face several times to the point where her scalp was coming away from her skull. Her husband came home late from work around midnight and discovered his wife laying in a pool of blood. Obviously fearful not only for his wife but for his unborn child, he called the police and got Anna to the hospital, where they fixed her up and she delivered a healthy baby girl just two days later. This one was a bit different than the others so far. No axe was involved, or at least wasn't left behind, and they believe she was actually um, hit with a lamp from inside, like one from inside her own home. Yeah. And it was... Um, evening not morning so like this is kind of like out of pattern so far and this time uh they stole about six to seven dollars from a wallet inside the home so like they're now they're debating like is this the same guy is this a, like a, just like a robbery gone wrong realized she was pregnant and was like oh crap and got out of there we don't know the police are torn but ultimately they decide this is the work of the same guy but honestly i'm not convinced yeah i don't know either and then we're on to attack number four. This is August 10th, 1918, five days after the attack on pregnant Anna, and almost two weeks since the Bessemer grocery couple. The Axeman strikes again at the, ho um, at the home of Joseph Romano, an elderly grocery store owner. So this is our third grocery store owner. Anna was not a grocery store owner. And as far as I could tell, her husband didn't work in like the grocery business or like a delivery man or anything. So I don't know exactly what he did, but she didn't fit the grocery store mold. But this couple or this family does. Um, he's an elderly grocery store owner, owner who also lives with his nieces, Pauline and Mary Bruno. In the middle of the night, the attacker had cut his way in through a panel in the back door. He then ransacked the house, eventually making his way to the room of Joseph. He then bashed in the elderly man's head with an axe. The nieces heard the, um, the commotion and ran to the aid of their elderly uncle. Pauline and Mary described the attacker as dark-skinned, heavy-set, and wore a dark suit with a slouched hat. When the ambulance and police arrived, they searched the house and walked Joseph to the ambulance. They did find a bloody axe and, a, um, and noted that the house was torn through, but no other evidence was found. At, Joseph survived the attack at the time within the home, but ended up dying two days later at the hospital from his head trauma. Um, and I wanted to note that I believe, did I say it with the pregnant woman? That I don't think her house was broken into the same way, unless I said it was. 
Yeah, no, it it wasn't. It wasn't broken in. So that's, I know, that's where I think it might have been something else. But as of right now, she's listed as uh, a survivor uh, from these attacks. So now we jump to March 9th of 1919. So this is seven months since the official Axeman attack or murder. It's a long time Mm -hmm. to take a break. And with this next one, we have reached their most brutal attack yet. And if you are sensitive to the topic of death of children, please skip forward a bit. Uh, This is at the home or the... Oh, gosh, I practiced this earlier. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Want me to read it for you? Cortomiglia? Cortomiglia. Cortomiglia. Oh, my gosh. C-O-R-T-I-M-I-G-L-I-A. Cortomiglia. I'm so sorry. That family, tragedy strikes in the form of the Axemen. The family consisted of Charles, his wife Rosie, and their two-year-old daughter Mary. They lived on the corner of Jefferson and Second in New Orleans, a suburb of Gretna, which is just across the Mississippi River from the major city. During the night of March 9th, a neighbor came by... A neighbor came by the name of Lorlando Dordano, who lived across the street from the family cause, because they heard screams coming from the family's home. When he came to their aid, he realized it was too late. They had all been attacked. Charles was bleeding profusely, laying on the floor, and Rosie was sobbing in the doorway, one hand on her bleeding head, and the other was sadly tight, tightly around um, her daughter Mary. When Lorlando got... To Rosie, he discovered that the two-year-old Mary was deceased after they had been all been attacked while cuddling her child to sleep in bed. The couple was rushed to the hospital to attend to their wounds, and when they were healed and gained full consciousness back, they actually pointed the finger at the uh, Lorlando and his son Frank for the attack and their daughter's death, claiming they were the attackers and pretend saviors. This would be investigated, and then they would. Uh, rule out Lorlando because he actually was elderly and very frail and sickly so they were like there's no way it was him but Frank was younger and more fit but there was one problem when the police searched the house they too had the typical axeman break in the intruder carved a, through the uh, door as same as the others and Frank was over six feet tall and a very wide set man there was no way he could have slipped through the hole in the door but he was arrested and sent to jail to await a hanging people were desperate for answers well, in some ways, they kind of get some. Uh, the Axeman sends a letter to the newspaper and um, and to the police to address to the public of New Orleans. So, Brielle, will you read the letter? <laughs> um, so it says, Hell, March 13, 1919. Uh-oh. This is exactly his letter. I printed it exactly uh, how it goes. Esteemed mortal. <laughs> He sounds like an eccentric guy. <laughs> Esteemed mortal. They have never caught me, and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible. Even as the ev- ever... Am I saying that right? I didn't read it. As the ev... Ether. I don't like it. Even as the ether. Even as the ether... That surrounds your earth. I'm not a human being, but a spirit and a demon. From the hottest hell. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am what you... Oh, no. Orleanians and, you, and your foolish 
police call the axemen. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, best smeared with blood and brains of whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as not to only amuse me, but his satanic, satanic, dang it, majesty, majesty, Francis, Joseph, etc. But tell them to be aware. Let them not, let them not try to discover what I am, for it better, for it were better that they were never born that to incur the wrath of the axemen. I don't want, I don't think there is any need of such of a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians, I'm so sorry, <laughs> I think, I think you said it right, I don't know, Orleanians, yeah, think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be I could be much worse if I wanted to, if I wish. I could pray to visit to your city every night. At will, I could stay, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time. <laughs> earthly time? <laughs> on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans in my infinite mercy. I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I shall be spared in whom's home of a jazz band is in full swing at the time I just have mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well then so much the better for you people. One thing one thing certain and that is that some of you people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native tarchers. I don't know. Where is it? Right there. It is about time I I leave your earthly home. I will seize my discourse, hoping that though will publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that have ever existed, either in fact or realm of fantasy. Gosh, there was no periods at all. No, he, that's that's his letter. Like I didn't write that and type that up. Like that is word for word what he wrote. He's very poetic. Kind of. And then he was like, "Forget punctuation. I don't need it." That's where it started to confuse me. I was like, what "Yeah, I can see it's hard to keep up because you're like, where did I leave off? Where did I stop talking? Because there's there's nothing." <laughs> He's just like, if you don't jazz it out, that's my favorite part. If you don't jazz it out. Like, who writes that? If you if you don't jazz it out, you get the axe. Full, I need it. Full swing. <laughs> it, I mean, 
it's sad but uh so the people are in panic after because obviously this gets like published because they're like oh everybody and they're talking about it on the radios and all this stuff so the people are in panic and they begin taking shifts sleeping to help protect one another some people are putting trust in their neighbors and others are uh, turning their backs on their neighbors because some are withdrawing, thinking like, well, it could be any of us. Any of us could be the Axemen. I would have just left town. Right? And I'm like, why are they attacking grocery store owners? Your grocery store owner. Which, yeah, which the family with the little girl who died, like, yeah. the people who came to their rescue in the yeah. morning, they were grocery store owners. Not the family who got attacked across the street. Hmm. 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 I wonder if they want to be the best grocery store owner. <laughs> I'm the best grocery store owner. I sell the best groceries. <laughs> um. So the letter works. Every house on the block was uh, throwing jazz parties. The dance halls were filled and people were out and about playing every radio they had in their home cranked up with jazz tunes. And as promised, nobody was reported attacked or dead that night due to the accident. It wouldn't be until August 10th at the home of Steve Boca, the Axeman strikes again. Are you serious? Yeah. So this is five months after the murder of poor um, Mary and after the letter uh, had been sent out to the public. The Axeman broke into the Boca home with Steve, who was another grocer. Like a grocery store owner. What's going on? Right. So we obviously are seeing a pattern here. Steve, or Steve, the Axeman is out for grocery men. Uh, Steve's back door is chiseled through just like all the rest and ransacked, but nothing is taken. And Steve wakes up to a man towering over him in the dark. The shadow in the dark attacks Steve, but he rallies and runs out into the street trying to catch any glimpse of his attacker. He ran to his neighbor's home where he collapsed. The neighbor phoned the police, but no other information was found. And thankfully, Steve did recover in the hospital, but couldn't remember or think of any distinguishing details that weren't already. Like, he's like, I got nothing. My head hurts. And how did he tell this story? Well, that was it. I mean, no, he had nothing further than that. Uh, so next is September 3rd, 1919, at the home of Sarah Lawman. Sarah's just 19 years old, and when her neighbors couldn't reach her to check on her in the morning, like, they'd all been kind of, like, taking care of each other, like, yeah, like, we should probably check on her. She lives by herself. And um, they did this every morning, and so she wasn't answering. They're like, this isn't like her, like. No, she would have checked with one of us before she went into town. Like, she would have, like, no. So they broke down her door and found Sarah unconscious on her bed, clearly beaten and actually missing a few teeth. They phoned the police and checked her on the property. They did find a window to her apartment had been broken, had been broken into and a bloody axe in the front lawn of the building. Sarah did recover at the hospital, but, again, couldn't give any further information on what happened that night or on her attacker. Now we are to the labeled victim of the, uh, I'm sorry, the label, I think I was supposed to say last. <laughs> the last known victim of the infamous Axeman, Mike Pepitone. He was attacked on October 27th, 1919 at his home where he lived with his wife and their six children. Oh, Brielle's like, oh no, <laughs> after poor little Mary. Uh, Mike awoke to the sound of an intruder. When Mike made his way to the bedroom door and at, um, as he opened it, there stood a man wielding an axe the man swung down the axe so hard on mike that his own blood spattered all over the entire room his wife screamed and the intruder fled the scene leaving mrs pepitone to call the police she unfortunately could not give any further information on the murderer due to the sheer shock and that mr pepitone 
was actually like blocking the doorway. So she's like, all I could see, the only thing she could say was that there were two shadows. So that there were that she thinks there were two people. Um, but this was the last and final known attack of the X-Men. And that's where it ends. This is the story of the X-Men. That's rude. Yeah. Um, he didn't attack again as far as anyone's aware. Um, but there are some similarities. Uh, just one year later in a town in Iowa, if anyone's ever heard of the Iowa axe murder. Uh, should we do a double double next week? Like, should we? Yeah. Do you want to do that one? Because it's just one year later. Kind of ran. That one I will, like, he put out a huge trigger warning that that's like, if you didn't like Mary's death, skip next week. Or listen, yeah, just listen, but don't listen. Just have it on. Just have it on. Um, but yeah, so that's the the last we hear of the X Men, except for there was a rumor that Mrs. Peptone, I think it was her, changed her name and flew to Los Angeles and tracked down this guy who was running this blackmail ring in. New Orleans, and she shot him in the street and said that his name was Joseph Mumphrey, I think was his name. And she said that that was the man who killed her husband. But when I didn't put it in like the official paperwork, because when I looked it up, um, they said that that was like a rumor. Like she didn't actually do that. Yeah, like they, they, the investigator. From back then, even there was like two different ones, and the investigator, like who looked it up, was like, "I checked every." I don't. That creepy sound was our dog. She was stretching. Um, if you heard it, <laughs> um, but they they checked like every records, newspapers, all stuff in like California. They checked um New Orleans, and they couldn't find anything that said Mumphrey or Mum. I can't. Remember. He had another alias that was similar, like Momfin or something. Yeah. And they only could find it connected to a murder like three years before the X-Men murder started happening. And even then it was considered like an alias. It wasn't like the person's actual name. Yeah. It was like a name they gave when they got picked up. Mm. So they're like, there's no evidence of that. There's no evidence of someone getting shot in the street and being like, he's like, I really think someone made it up to like make money off of the X-Men murders that were going on. So that was the huge conspiracy. Everyone kept saying it was this guy. And I saw the research I kept doing. I'm like, yeah, but that makes more sense to me. Like that it's not real. My my person that I think it is, is remember from the very beginning and there was the brother. Yeah. The two brothers. Oh, yeah. I think it was the guy who was shipping out. To the Navy. Because no one else had their throat slit. Yeah. Just those two. And that would make it to me, like, more personal. Like, mm-hmm. he must have wanted to kill them for something. Mm-hmm. And maybe even both brothers were in on it. Because there was Andrew and Jake. Yeah. And if Andrew was a little bit the more violent one, and what, it, like, if he joined the Navy... And then he'd only be coming back to port uh-huh. so many times. And that would be why there's big stretches. Yeah, I've been lost. And he knew the area still. So, like, and, like, to me, that makes, it makes sense. And then the small stretches could be the other brother. Right. For them to take turns. Right. Or. Patty cake. 
they just waited for like him to come into town and then they would both go do it weird family issues maybe well that's what i'm saying like it just felt like it was really personal in the beginning and then so that but then i'm like and then think about it if he was if the other ones that weren't grocery store owners uh-huh. if those were just like lumped in with the X-Men murders like if they weren't actually X-Men murders they were something else mm-hmm. um they were all grocery store owners so then it would still be like that mental like tie-in of like his brother because his brother was a grocery store owner mm-hmm. like when serial killers get on that they get like there's a certain like profile they make and that they like and I don't know it just makes sense to me like it fits mm-hmm. but uh, yeah but see but I would need more information, but it just seems like the correct opportunity. Yep. But I will give you a warning. What? Next week if we do the I, the other Iowa one. It's not solved either. Yeah. Every time you say the Iowa, I think of Idaho case that just happened. Oh, no, yeah, it's that, Iowa. That was, that's very sad. Yeah, it's not the Idaho case. It's Iowa. And this one happened only one year after the New Orleans axe murders. Mm. And it was like a, I mean, I don't want to get into it, but it was just like a drifter. Like, it's a random thing. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so. It just happened like one time? Like, yeah, like, yeah, it wasn't like this. Where like the whole town's like on a, like, freak out. It's like a small little tiny town. Freak out. <laughs> But yeah. So you do you have a do you have a thought of who it could be? They said it could uh, be like the mob. There was like a the two brothers. I feel like they're highly suspicious. Yeah, they said there was like a blackmailing mob, and that kind of t- like tied in that Mumphrey guy. They yeah. said like he could have been involved with the mob. So it could have been people who owed money, like all these grocery store owners like owed money, and they and then some other random people who owed money. So they were like, going around and like the the only the dad only owed money. The grandpa? No, dad. Well, I mean, I think they were just taking care of whoever. Maybe knew about it. But they said, though, that the reason they kind of ruled that one out was because usually the mob, like, wants to make a hit. They would have, like, they would have just killed everybody. They wouldn't have done this weird, like, let me wield an axe and hope you died. And then, like, after it didn't work the one time, they're like, oh, yeah, maybe we should go away from that and just, you know, kill them like normal. Yeah, I feel like... Mm, that one case happened where, like, the pregnant lady... Yeah. Didn't she recover? Yes. She had the baby. Yeah. Like, why do I feel like that was not the axe? I don't think it was. Because like, it was the same thing with the Sarah girl. She was by herself, just a 19-year-old girl. Like... I don't know. Like I said, those two just don't fit for so me. But they found a bloody axe in her backyard. Probably. Oh, yeah, they did. But, but they also should... said it could be a bunch of copycats. Like, if people were... But, yeah, like upset with their neighbors that they're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the accident thing. Bye. I wonder if it was just. Oh, I also but to wonder, me, it's weird that it's all grocery store owners. Yeah, I feel like there's something going on in the grocery store business. Right. I would just try to look for the one grocery store people that didn't die or didn't yeah. have anything to do with it. <laughs> Everyone's selling their grocery stores. <laughs> I don't want to be a grocery store owner anymore. I would just move. Yeah, that too. Be like, I'm out of here. Leave the grocery store. Let's go. Especially if you're family. I would just put, like, on a rape. I would leave and just be like, here, Axeman. Just jazz music, just blaring. Yeah, just have it all night, all day. Yeah, Jazzman's grocery store. 
for the Axeman. You can have it. It's yours. I'm leaving. Yeah. Did, was that like a crazy story? Did you like it? I think it was cool, but kind of sad. Well, but... yeah, most true crimes are sad. There's very few that you go through at the end, then get to the end and go, oh, that was fun. <laughs> It'd be more like a robbery gone wrong. <laughs> That's what we should do is bad bandits. Not scary, oh. but kind of funny. Kind of funny. Hmm, I like it. You like doing the true crimes? Yep. I was trying to switch it up when I, f- I came across this one, which I knew this story. I think I've heard about it. Yeah, I say it's pretty famous. I I thought, well, that one's a light, easy one. Whenever I hear the Axeman, like now I think of, for some reason, I think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, that's a chainsaw. I don't know. Okay. I, just think, I, feel like I just think of like. A big guy just killing a bunch of random people. Yeah. Um, actually, you didn't watch this, but if anybody's watched... Um, oh, shoot. It was just on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> American Horror Story. If you watch the Coven series, like the Coven season, the Axemen is in that one. Don't they do, like, a lot of, like... Call, like, callbacks to... Famous horror? Fa- yeah, like, famous serial killers or, like, I've famous watched- lore watch supernatural but i've never watched i'm sure he's on there i mean mm, it's more of like urban yeah legend, so. yeah but the, like, the axman kind of is an urban legend because no one caught him so like that is still like that was still taught like later down the road of like you gotta play your jazz you know like how people tease each other like when like, the house since gets... he said he was a demon from hell was, yeah that was kind of yeah For some reason that makes me think that i was just a teenager being like I mean, we don't know. Don't know. Not saying anything. All right. Well, that is the story of the Axeman. You ready to finally go eat? Yes. All right. Well, we will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.